Hey y'all, welcome back. You're listening to another episode of Sober Culture. I'm Logan, your host. And if you are trying to change your relationship to alcohol, you're in the right place. Welcome. Today, I want to talk to you guys about being wishy-washy about sobriety because man, was I so wishy-washy for so long. And in my mind, I was always kind of on the fence about whether or not I really wanted to get booze out of the picture. It was a negotiable decision that I would make with myself. Like I might drink, I might not, who knows? But usually if it was up for debate, I always ended up choosing to booze. So if you find that you're struggling with the back and forth, maybe I'll drink, maybe I won't. I hope this episode helps you to gain some clarity on how making booze a non-negotiable can really help in changing your toxic relationship to alcohol. And if at this point you're thinking, no way, I could never take it totally off the table, just keep listening. I think you're going to get a lot out of this episode, even if you're not sure what your long-term goals with alcohol are. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. All right. So first I want to talk about why I was so wishy-washy about my decision to get sober for so long. So the first reason is I think that deep down this wishy-washiness stemmed from this place of not wanting to label myself or to put myself in boxes. I felt like if I committed to giving up alcohol completely, then I had to consider myself as having a problem or like even worse, being an alcoholic. And I hated, absolutely hated all of the stigma that came with that. And deep down, I didn't identify with that. And there's nothing wrong with identifying with either of those things. But for me, it wasn't helpful. So I stayed in my habit of drinking for a long time because I didn't want to be in the alcoholic box. (laughs) I wanted to be in the normal box, even though the way I was drinking was obvious that I was not in that box. I was fighting going into the alcoholic box and I didn't realize that there was many more boxes than just those two or that I didn't need to be in a box at all. So I was wishy washy because the idea of identifying as someone who can't drink, made me feel shameful. And I hated that it made me feel like I didn't have a say-so in the matter and that I didn't have control or power in whether or not I was going to drink. Because I felt like if I had labeled myself as an alcoholic or a problem drinker, that meant that I couldn't drink because I had to have all these rules. And I didn't like the way that that made me feel. And so this way of thinking kept me negotiating with myself whenever it came down to whether or not I was going to drink. Because if I was normal, then I was going to be able to drink sometimes. And I really was hesitating to make the commitment to take alcohol off the table because I didn't want that to mean certain things about me. So if that's something you also struggle with, you're not alone. And again, like it's totally okay if you do identify with certain labels or things like that. Like if it's helpful for you, then great. But for me, it wasn't helpful. So I was really, really wishy-washy about getting sober for a long time because I didn't want to identify as an alcoholic or a problem drinker and be in any of these boxes. Okay, the second reason why I was wishy-washy was because there was also this huge part of me that doubted my ability to give it up for any meaningful amount of time. 
Like I really didn't think it was possible. And this has to do with the self-limiting beliefs that I had. I sort of avoided failing at getting sober by not really trying in the first place. So I left it open-ended. Like I might quit. I might drink this weekend. I might not. And it was this way that I sort of protected this my fragile little ego. And I avoided feeling bad about myself. Or I should say feeling worse about myself, because if we're being honest, I never really felt that great about myself whenever I was binge drinking all the time. But I would think like if I really did commit and then slipped up, like what did that mean about me? Was I weak willed? Was I broken? Was something wrong with me? Like, why couldn't I just get my shit together and then like cue all the shitty self-talk? So a way that I would avoid feeling like that about myself and avoid feeling like a failure was to just leave it open-ended and be sort of wishy-washy about what I was going to do in regards to my drinking. And this, in a big way, y'all, denied my humanness because I didn't give myself grace at all whenever it came to learning how to live my life without booze. I just expected myself to know how to do it perfectly from the get-go. Like I was either going to be perfect at it or I was not really going to try or commit to it at all. There was no in-between for me, if you relate to that all or nothing thinking. And because I think I knew deep down that perfection was unattainable, it was easier for me to just not really attempt sobriety at all. So that was the second reason why I was wishy-washy is because I really didn't think it was possible that I was going to succeed with sobriety. So I just thought it might be easier to just avoid it altogether so I wouldn't feel like I was failing. And in a way, I was always giving myself an out by not really ever fully committing because I was afraid of failing. And ultimately, I believed like I wasn't capable of succeeding. So I just continued to be wishy-washy about it. And the third reason why I think I stayed wishy-washy about booze for so long was because I was very unclear about what my goals with alcohol were. And I was still hanging on to the illusion of what alcohol was doing for me. And I think that this is so common. And it's also just a part of the journey for a lot of us to not know what our long-term goals are and to be really attached to what we think alcohol is doing for us. So if you're not sure what your alcohol goals are, like I want to say here, that is okay. I, at for a very long time, didn't want to get alcohol out of the picture completely. I wanted to still have it. I just didn't want to have the consequences that came with it. Uh, you could say I wanted to have my cake and I wanted to eat it too. I think essentially what I was doing is I was trying to change how it affected me which never really worked because no matter how much I changed as a person and how much I worked on myself, alcohol still had this really addictive effect on me. Like regardless of what I did or what type of rules around drinking I had tried to make myself follow, like it never really worked the way that I wanted it to. And it never left me feeling satisfied or good about my decision to use booze. And no matter what I did, I could not seem to change how it was affecting me, which eventually and like emphasize eventually (laughs) this meant that I had to come to this place of acceptance. Like, damn, maybe I am better off just not drinking alcohol at all. But this did not like this was not a decision that just happened overnight for me. And if it is a decision that happened overnight for you, great. That's amazing. For me, I 
had to stumble and fall and be shown how alcohol was not going to work with me over and over and over and over and over again before it finally stuck because I was wishy-washy. And there was a big part of me that was hanging on to the idea of what alcohol was doing for me and like all of the ways it was helping me and basically all the ways that I was comforted by it. So I think those two things, like being comforted by it and being attached to what I think it's doing for me was what kept me stuck for a while and just kind of on the fence and also just being very uncertain about what I wanted my long-term relationship to alcohol to look like. Like I didn't know the answers to that question. So I just sort of avoided the whole situation altogether by being kind of on the fence. Like I knew there was an issue and like I needed to address it, but I wasn't really ready to fully dive in. And I was in that place for a really long time. And I want to say that like, I think that it is possible for some people to change their drinking. But I, from my own experience, can definitely say that alcohol and me were never going to get along the way that I fantasized about it in my head, like having two glasses of wine and just being genuinely satisfied by it. That was never my experience. And I can't speak for what yours is or what it will be. And I think that that's something that you really do just have to figure out for yourself. And I want to say here that like not knowing what your long term goals with alcohol are is perfectly okay because I don't think that that's what's important. This kept me stuck for so long because I didn't want to give it up forever. I felt like forever was just way too big of a move for me. But what I did do was I started focusing on what I wanted my relationship to alcohol to look like for right now. And I started to see that what I really wanted right now was freedom from this drink habit that I had formed and from all the shitty consequences that it was causing me. Like I knew that's what I wanted right now. And I considered that like maybe I don't need to think about 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Like maybe I just need to focus on what I need to do right now. So if you're not sure with what you want your alcohol goals to look like long term, I want you to consider that for right now, it doesn't matter. And if you're still clinging on to what alcohol is doing for you in the moment, I think it can be really, really helpful to get clear about your why. Like, why do you want to change your relationship to alcohol? How is this not serving you? Why is it that you want your relationship to boost to look different? And I talk more about developing your why for wanting to change your drinking in episode two. So if you want to hear more about that, definitely give that episode a listen. So what helped me to embrace sobriety right now, just for right now and not focusing on forever, was choosing to make alcohol a non-negotiable even if it's just for right now, and ditching this really wishy-washy attitude that I had around it. So I committed to just giving it a shot, like a real shot. I'm not sure if I'll never drink again. And because to me, that's not a decision that I have to make right now. And I will say like the further I get away from alcohol, the more I'm like, the more I love it. So I, I don't see myself going back to alcohol, but I don't put that kind of pressure on myself. Like, yes, I do feel better. I have more clarity. But will I drink in 10 years? Who the fuck knows? I don't care. Like, I do not care what me 10 years from now decides about alcohol. Because what I what I have to focus on is what me right now is deciding about alcohol. And what's best for me right now is that alcohol is a non-negotiable. So I made the decision that for right now, alcohol was going to be off the table. I was not going to be wishy-washy anymore. Not because I'm an alcoholic or because this is something I want to do for eternity and definitely not because it's something that I have to do perfectly. 
But I made the decision that I was going to give sobriety my full commitment because I wanted to see what was what that would look like for me. And this meant that alcohol was going to be a non-negotiable. And for how long? For as ever, for however long I want. <laughs> That's the answer. For however long I want. And I don't think that it is helpful for all of us to feel like we have to make the decision of like giving it up forever. That's like telling an 18 year old, hey, go to college and figure out exactly what you want to do for the rest of your life. We've all seen how that doesn't really work. And I think that focusing on what you want your alcohol relationship to look like right now is way more helpful than making this huge lifelong decision. And so I want to talk about why making booze a non-negotiable works. So if boozing isn't working for you and you want to give sobriety an honest shot, it can help if you stop leaving it open-ended. Any time that I would leave it up for debate, alcohol would win me over more times than not. If it was an option, like if there was even a slight chance of boozing, your girl was drinking. I usually took the option to drink because it was the easy, momentarily more rewarding thing to do because I was very, very short-sighted whenever I was stuck in this cycle of binge drinking. Like I was always thinking, how can I make myself feel better right now? How can I have more fun right now? I was really only focused on how I felt and like how to change or manipulate my emotions to try to always feel good. And I didn't really ever consider how it would affect me the next day or like in the long run. So by making alcohol a non-negotiable, something that I just wasn't going to do, I didn't have that back and forth going on nearly as much in my mind because it wasn't left open-ended. Like I knew I had made the decision and I wasn't going to go back and forth with myself on whether or not I was going to drink. So what this meant is that whenever the urge to drink came up, I could just let them be there. But I was able to recognize my power in the decision to give into it or not, because we already decided we're not doing it. So sure, the urge is going to come up and be a little whiny and maybe try to throw whatever it can to try to get me to consider drinking, but it's a non-negotiable. And so I felt like I could just take a deep breath because I didn't have to debate with myself on whether or not I was going to give in to the urge. I really stopped letting the urges have all of this control over my decisions around alcohol. I wasn't up for debate. And so the urges and the cravings, yeah, sure, they would come up and I'd let them be there. But then they would just go away because I wasn't trying to argue with them and go back and forth. I could just recognize like, oh, that's just an urge like that is that's not me. Whereas before, whenever I left it open-ended and was really wishy-washy about booze, the urge to drink would come up and I'd be like, well, wait, maybe I will. Maybe I should. Okay, like, let's just go ahead and drink. Like, I didn't, I couldn't make the separation between the urge and like what I actually wanted. But now that it's a non-negotiable, I find that process to just be so much easier. And I think that this is so key because you're realizing that you're in control, not your lower brain that's sending you these urges to drink. And like I've always said, like the urges to drink cannot make you do anything. You are the one ultimately that has the power to choose whether or not you take a drink. And you do have the power to just let the urges come and let them go. And I think that making alcohol a non-negotiable can be particularly helpful whenever it comes to getting through bad days. Whenever drinking booze is non-negotiable and I've made that decision and I have a really shitty day, I know that drinking isn't the thing that I will reach for because we've already taken that off the table. So what this does is it forces me to get creative about how I can deal 
with shitty days. Like it makes me figure out how to self-soothe without using alcohol as a way to cope. It makes me really, truly lean into my ability to be resilient. Like I had bad days as a kid and I wasn't drinking beer after I had a shitty day on the playground, right? Because we, we all have that ability within us to deal with tough shit, even if we haven't used those skills in a really long time. You still have the ability to. You might just have to practice and to dust off those skills. But whenever alcohol is a non-negotiable and a bad day happens, whenever you know that you're not going to use alcohol as a way to cope, you're basically forcing yourself to figure out better and healthier ways to deal with shit days because they're going to come up, right? We're going to have them. That's not avoidable. So I think that making it a non-negotiable just helps you to realize like, wait, I do have other tools at my disposal because like I said before, alcohol is the easy thing to do. Like that's the easy way to deal with a bad day. But is it effective? I think that we all know if it was effective, none of us would be here listening to this podcast right now and I wouldn't be making it. Okay, I also want to talk about how making alcohol a non-negotiable can also be really helpful whenever you're socializing. So whenever drinking isn't an option, as you know, my go-to social lubricant, then all of a sudden I figure out new ways to connect with people and new ways to be present. Whenever I make booze a non-negotiable, I'm giving myself the space to learn how to thrive without it. And whenever it's not on the table and up for debate, you can start to learn how to really enjoy yourself in sobriety, especially in social situations. And this again has to do with this resilience, which is something that we all have. I want you to consider that you are, in fact, more resilient than your self-limiting beliefs might have you think. You are capable of change and overcoming aversion and getting through tough shit and being the person that you want to be without the comfort of alcohol. And whenever you're in social situations, yes, if it is open-ended and up for debate, booze sounds like a good idea because Social anxiety is something that is, I think, something all of us experience at one point in time or another. And whenever alcohol is an option, it's so easy to use that as a go-to, right? Because it's the easier choice. But whenever we take it off the table, we're not doing it. It's not an option. Then you can start to think, hmm, how can I find connection? How can I have fun? How can I engage socially without it? And then you give your spa- yourself the space to figure that out. That's what's so powerful about making alcohol a non-negotiable. It's like you're giving yourself a shot, right? Like whenever we just allow booze to be our automatic choice and the thing we always go to, like we're really denying ourselves the chance to experience all of these things without booze. And I want to have a little bit of a story time because whenever I'm talking about this topic in particular, I think back to whenever I backpacked in Asia by myself for four months. I had never been out of the country before and I was absolutely terrified. (laughs) And part of me before I left thought like, damn, like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like, what if I get lost? What if I don't make any friends? What if I don't know how to communicate? Or what if, you know, and the list goes on and on and on. It was all based out of fear, but I went anyway. And the crazy thing that I realized was that whenever I did get lost and feel lonely and didn't know how to communicate, I figured out a way through it. I was resilient. I learned that I could just buy a SIM card so that I had Google Maps all the time. And I eventually figured out, like, don't use Apple Maps in this country or in Asia. 
because it got me turned around so many times. I learned how to introduce myself to people and how to strike up conversations and go on wild adventures in all these different countries. I learned how to communicate with other people that didn't speak the same language as me with the resources that I had at my disposal, which was mostly Google Translate. But you get the point. Most of the fears that I had about that trip did in fact come true, but they were not as big and as bad as I had made them up to be in my head. And I overcame them despite the challenges. And I went on to have what was literally the most incredible four months of my life. And it was because I felt the fear and did it anyway. I could have thrown in the towel and gone home. And I almost did. Like two weeks in, I remember I had a phone call with my mom and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'm scared. I kind of just want to come home. And she told me, she said, you can always come home, but I think that you're going to regret it once you're here. And if I would have given up, like, what would I have missed out on? So much, like so much. The what ifs and the fear kept me stuck with my drinking too. And if it's the first time you've ever existed as an adult without alcohol, you might be experiencing a lot of fear. Like, what if I don't know how to socialize? What if I'm never able to quit? What if people judge me? What if I lose my connection to my partner? What if I don't have fun without it? All of this is based in fear. And guess what? Most of these things have came true for me at one point or another in my sobriety, but it didn't come true with permanence. I was able to, and I'm still learning how to, be resilient in these moments when I don't feel socially connected, whenever I'm not having fun sober. And instead of just throwing in the towel, I get curious and come up with ways to find connection and to enjoy myself and to have a good time and to overcome these obstacles that come up in sobriety. Like, yeah, sorry if I'm the bearer of bad news here. Like, sobriety is not going to be all rainbows and sunshine. Like, there are going to be difficult things. You're going to have fears that do come to light and come true. But I think it's so important to recognize the resilience that you have. Like you, you can get through it. That's the thing. Like, yeah, sure. It might be scary, but what's the worst thing that could happen? You might not feel all that social at first. You might have a few shitty social experiences. You might not have the best time right away. I promise you that like all of the fears that I had about sobriety and the things that I thought were going to be true Sure, they might have sucked for a little while when they did happen, but I got over it. And going back to my story, like those first two weeks in Asia are like the beginning phases of sobriety. I felt afraid and uncertain and I doubted myself. But like my mom said, like I would have if I would have thrown in the towel, how much would I have missed out on? I know for sure that I would be missing out on a lot more of my life by going back to booze and by sticking with sobriety, like despite how afraid I am and like leaning into this resiliency, I'm able to reap the rewards. And the crazy part is like, I wouldn't have even known the depth of what I missed out on in Asia if I would have came home. And I can only really appreciate the decision to stay now that I have all of those experiences to look back on. And I think that this is so true whenever it comes to sobriety. Like you really won't know the depth of what you're missing out on by continuing this toxic relationship to alcohol until you've had distance from it and until you're able to look back. And this is really where the faith that sobriety is going to be more rewarding than drinking has to come in. Like you won't fully be able to appreciate it until you try. Making booze a non-negotiable, just like I made going home a non-negotiable after that conversation with my mom, really does give you the space to start to thrive in sobriety. 
Like you don't have to do this dance with the decision of whether you should drink or whether you shouldn't. And you can start to use your energy to focus on the things that actually matter. You can give yourself the space to actually have an honest effort at at least trying sobriety and like really doing it to your fullest, knowing like that it is okay if you don't do it perfectly because we're human and you can lean into the possibility of change without needing to make it mean anything about you or without identifying with labels if it doesn't serve you. You can focus on what you want your relationship to alcohol to look like for right now and you don't have to feel pressured into deciding how you're going to live the next six years of your life. By making booze a non-negotiable, you're really, truly able to experience just how resilient you are. So I want to challenge you to just give it a shot and to make booze non-negotiable, even if it's for just right now. If you're sick of being wishy-washy, I really want you to take into consideration all the things that I mentioned in this episode. I think that it can really help you if you find that you're stuck. Take it off the table. Make drinking non-negotiable. Give yourself the space to grow and to give sobriety a shot. You will be shocked at how resilient you are. All right, guys, that's all that I have for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider leaving me a five-star rating and review. And if you're interested in joining our online community, if you are a young sober person that is either sober, sober or sober curious, you can join that community as well as join the newsletter by going to soberculture.co. And if you want to connect with me on Instagram, you can do so by following me at soberculturepodcast. And on TikTok, it's just at sober culture. All right, y'all. I hope you're doing well wherever you're tuning in from and that you enjoyed this little bit of sober culture. I'll catch you guys in the next episode.